Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Now, today we welcome back a guest who has lived two lives in boxing, Firstly as an amateur and then a pro fighter and for the last 34 years as a referee and judge. Last time we spoke with David Irving we discussed his career as a fighter but today we'll be hearing about his three and a half decades as an official with the Boxing Union of Ireland and also the WBC. His first fight as a referee was back in 1989 when Ray Close beat Seamus Casey at the Ulster Hall. New kids on the block were top of the pops. I don't know much was number two. All around the world by Lisa Stanfield was number three. Apt for the career David Irving would go on to have because uh, soon he'd know quite a lot. He's been the man in the middle for Irish fights of the year, including Reynolds versus Trainer back in 2013. The following year, Carroll versus Garrity, and back in 2012 as well, the fairly controversial Fury versus Rogan battle in Belfast, when there was actually an attempt by the British board to remove him in advance of the event. Here, he also tells me about receiving abuse and even threats during his time working as a referee. Still finding a way to be fitter than some fighters, 40, year, 40 years on from his heyday, as a boxer himself, and the fouls most favoured by your average Irish puncher. When we left off last time, a hand injury had put pay to David's boxing career, and Barney Eastwood had suggested he stay involved, this time as a referee. Here, David Irving takes up the tale. Not too many boxers go into refereeing and judging. It's usually maybe officials that have been involved in the clubs and that have kind of come up. The lads that couldn't box almost, and I don't mean that disparagingly, but it's... It's refreshing that uh, ex-boxers do get involved as well because you do have an, an advantage having been on both sides of the ropes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and suppose at the time, before, um, after I fought Haggerty and my hand was gone, I got done a lot of up, like a lot of work on my hand, operations and um, therapy. Um, and I was in the gym and just wasn't strong enough with all the work behind the scenes. And... At the time, Bonnie Eastwood said to me while I was doing some sort of shadow boxing, um, would you ever consider refereeing? And when he said that to me, I was actually just finishing off my, my uh, training session. I went, and really I went, what is he talking about, refereeing? Like, and I'm thinking of being a British champion or maybe moving on to be, you know, some sort of Commonwealth because I knew the people around me, I knew it was, they were beatable. And, I knew, and like some of the boys that have knocked out had beaten them. So just needed a wee bit of luck with my hand, but my hand just wouldn't have a strong enough, Kevin. And so I couldn't understand them saying that to me. But then I realised, like, as, as time went on, I didn't 
pick him up on it. I says, look, I'll give this a go and see how it go. But as time went on, Mahan was just never going to be any way good. So it was a thing that uh, I went to myself, sure, may as well, you, as you say, you keep in the game because you've been in the game like 10 years like at big levels and travelled a quite bit of the world. So maybe the referee might give me a wee interest, you know what I mean? So, so I says, okay, well, I'll I'll take you up on that and see where we go with that. And that's just, that was like roundabouts. It was roundabout April, May uh, 1990. So that's like, you know, <laughs> sorry, 30, was a 30. Are you, sure? Are you sure it's that late? Because I think you're down on box records refereeing your first fight in 1989, Ray Close versus Seamus Casey at Ulster Hall. Was that what it was then? Okay, so that <laughs> uh, must have been before that, even yeah. 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 <laughs> um, who taught you? How did how did you go about it? How did you go about from being retired professional boxer? Yeah, yeah. To becoming a, a referee who's trusted to stand in the middle of two other boxers going at it. What about Dumit? I had to go through some sort of exam at the time. I had to go through medicals, which Bonnie's prepared for it, brain scan and medicals, um, and. Uh, they passed all them. Then I had to go through an exam, and I got sort of a lot of material, like sort of uh, boxing books and and rules books and and uh, methods of how to train and what methods you use as a referee and what type of things you have to look out for and how to score a fight. So I went into study a good lot of this sort of uh, like refereeing um, job. And in the East Coast gym, I used to referee some of the sparring fights. And then, as I say, I've done a couple of exams. And then uh, I think a star referee from, from England came over. And I had my first interview in the Europa Hotel, which they randomly threw questions at me and asked different scenarios and how would I deal with certain certain scenarios. So... Um, they told me then um, that I passed. I was going to be a B grade referee. Was with the, was this with the British Boxing Board of Control or the Irish Union? This was the British Boxing Board of Control. Okay. That's where I first started. Yeah, the British Boxing Board of Control. And uh, so I started off like a like a novice referee. I would um, referee a fight, but um, the, the uh, A star referee would give a decision outside the ring. He'd be watching it and he'd give a decision. Where I'd referee showing the right areas to cover and how to look out for things that are not by the rules, um, that the fighters aren't now breaking the rules, look out for things that are that's happening in the ring. And my positioning too was a big factor too. So um, I'd done a couple of them fights and uh, got through that well. And then I think I scored my first fight was you say eighty nine was it the very close? So no. yeah, I'll bring you to uh, nineteen eighty nine. Number one in the charts at the time. New kids on the block were number one. I don't know much by Linda Ronsad was number two. <laughs> Funny enough, because yeah. you're at the start of your game, and then all around the world, Lisa Stanfield number three. The movies released just to bring you back was uh, My Left Foot, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Back to the Future Two. In uh, world news. The Berlin Wall fell in November 1989 and Ireland won 2-0 in Malta to secure qualification for the World Cup for the first time. So that's November 1989. I might bring you back. 
Um, do you re- do you remember your first contest, Ray Close versus Seamus Casey at the Ulster Hall? I can remember it vaguely. I um I can remember it vaguely because um Ray Close was like a type of fighter, like he was a good boxing kid, like he was good to watch. His fast hands, he was more a technical, which I like to watch, you know, good technical fighters hit and not get hit. Um but yeah, I can vaguely remember it. Was it difficult uh, to stamp your authority on? Uh, because at the time you were almost like a player manager suddenly taking over and uh, in the same dressing room as your mates. Now you were like the official, but you're yeah. primarily working out of Belfast and, and fights in the north. Uh, and the, a lot of these guys would have been your former gym mates, probably possibly your pals. We know it ourselves. Irish boxing as a community is quite small. Like I think yeah, John Lowy yeah. takes part in your second bout, and no doubt you knew John from the scene as well. And yes. was it difficult to separate yourself or to to set yourself up as an authority all of a sudden. Well, it came pretty naturally, to be honest, because I think from the word go, I'd be very fair, you know. And um, I didn't like obviously when a referee did like with John Lowy and and uh, I don't remember Richie Wenton. Mm. Richie Wenton and and uh, I done like you know I done Ray Close obviously and we Damien Kelly and that um, uh, most of them lads are good lads and uh, they know there's no like bullshit you know if they do wrong they do wrong and I'll tell them they do wrong and and in the same in return I wouldn't be uh, over over uh, authoritative if they're doing a good fight and play and and doing abiding by the rules so from the the get-go I was thrown away respected and and in return I would do like obviously the safety of the fighters but I would be as careful as I could to make sure that everybody's um doing the right thing yeah like boxing is um is it a disciplined sport do some fighters even back then I suppose there was there was less television attention it was it was a rabid game. It was a rabid scene. Passionate fans and passionate fighters. Would would fighters yeah. try and bend the rules? Well, always. Like you know, if, he, if you're under a bit of pressure, you know, some fighters might, you know, you know, when they when they are under a bit of pressure, like you know, there's possibility they might try and you know hang on or you know try and kill time and try to sort of like uh, turn the fight a bit messy. Early days when I started refereeing, you know, the the way I referee now, it's um it's a long, long way away sort of this from when I first started it, you know, what I used to used to think and how I refereed. What would but, you say is the main difference? Main difference is maybe the confidence, you know, the confidence and the sort of like knowing what's gonna happen before it happens. You know, the old saying, uh ready for the unexpected and a bit more mature and, and knowledgeable where uh, I actually can see things happening. Yeah, you so, can see you can see a fighter starting to get um, maybe a bit, a bit under pressure or a bit lashing out and then you know, okay, there's three, you're thinking to yourself, there's three or four things he could do here and then yeah. you take action to pre- preventative action maybe ahead of it. Most definitely, yeah. Yep, so I've got that sort of uh, built well and in, 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 like uh, we're saying like it's thirty years, like some time, and and um, there's some time, and uh, some great, like a great 
like no doing them lads I'm talking about like you know well, I, I have a, I have a couple of lists in front of me I just have a list of some of the standout Irish boxers over the last 30 years that you've refereed yeah, yeah. I have another list of some of the kind of standout occasions and everybody's list if they look at your career will be different I just picked out about eight or nine or ten that's kind of stand out to me and everybody would have a different one but just before we start naming names yeah yeah what what sort of fouls would Irish boxers be most inc- inclined to make what what are the transgressions that Irish people make probably a low blow <laughs> really <laughs> the low blow is the top one hit <laughs> <laughs> him in the ballocks. yes then they can't breathe <laughs> yeah. really so I suppose has that ended many many a fight of yours have you ever had to DQ someone on a low blow not too many now, to be honest like you know uh, generally the head's the main one the, using the head's the main one to be honest with you when I think about um, disqualifying anybody I've disqualified a couple of people um, I've disqualified two uh, using the head and uh and that's after a few warnings. They still, they still do it. So, um, and one low blow. So I haven't really had too many disqualifications. Having them in my career, I'd say probably three would be about bit it. Because when I start warning, they know then that's that's it's going to happen if they don't if they keep if they keep it up, they get disqualified and they don't get paid. So. Did the generation that you boxed alongside and then that you ended up refereeing at the start of your career that were heavily influenced by the Panamanian influence at the gym in Belfast, yeah. did, did we inherit any of the dark arts from those guys because you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're known for it? Oh, big time. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Big time, yeah. And they they taught that in the gym, you know, which was very hard to, hard, hard to see as a referee. They're so good at it, so slippery. What would they do? They would do like kind of, they'd know how to walk in a, in a type of way. When they throw a punch, they can move quickly to the right and then to the left, but carry their right hand, like hitting sort of a, like the kidneys or maybe a low blow, but you can't see it because they're coming across the body. They can do it so slick. That was one of the things that I could see that they were doing. It was, it's a hard punch to do, but when you do it, you can't get seen. Plus, it's a it's a great foul, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, That's just, yeah. And then leaning on the fader, leaning leaning all the time, turning the fader out, always putting your weight on them. You know, showing how to do that. Well, look if you if you can blend a Panamanian with an Irish fighter, you've got yourself a world champion in waiting. That's for sure. And that's sure. Yep. Um, which fighters did you enjoy refereeing the most at the time? Because like even some of the list of the list of fighters you refereed at the beginning, like from Noel McGee to to Eamon McGee, Tommy Waite, Damian Kelly, Ray Kane, and Brian McGee, and you know yeah. just is in this in the first ten or fifteen years of your career. Which fighters did you look forward to? I liked that. like yeah, Damian Kelly. I love Damian Kelly, and um, and obviously I've done like um, uh, Don Corbett too, that guy, yeah. and. I liked refereeing um, Bernard Dunn, um, Martin Lindsay, Brian McGee, yeah. I was going to ask, you've been in the ring uh, as referee for both of them. Who do you think hit harder pound for pound, Neil Sinclair or Darren Corbett? I'd probably have to say, like, we need, need Sinclair's a great, uh, great ability, great hands. Um, 
with Don Corby could hit. I know, I know we near Sinclair could hit too, but I think Don Corby just had it. I just had the, the punch, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll throw out a notable fighter too. Yeah, like the, the Bernard Dunn one does stand out. He fought Jim Betts at, in 2005 at the National Stadium. And yeah. uh, that was the beginning of a new departure in Irish boxing. I think it got Orty involved. Brian Peters was there. You were the referee for the contest and ultimately ended up that cracked on to be getting a lot of other opportunities as well as a referee. What do you recall of that fight? I think, yeah, I can remember that fight too. I think I stopped the fight in the fifth round. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was good. You know, Bernard Dunn, like, just the way I like the box, sort of way hit and not get hit. And he was always very fit, Bernard Dunn. And uh, yeah, he was a good technician. Did you yep. save him against uh, Warren? I did. He was well in front. It was a fight that I can remember walking around the ring. Like, you nearly, your concentration was would go, like, because it was such such a one-sided fight. My concentration was going at times. Um, it's just all one-sided. But um, Foran was still there, so it couldn't, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, Foran wasn't good enough to stop the fight. So it was just a boring, long, long fight. One-way traffic. And then all of a sudden, boom, Foran caught him in the last round. And it was like all panic stations. Panic stations it, is right, yeah. And like, you could have stepped in at any time, do you think? Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Yeah. Do you give uh, more regard to somebody that you you know? Like uh, you, you've refereed Bernard done before, you know him, you know what he's like, you know what he can recover from? Well, not so much that way. Um, knowing that the way the fate, assessing the fate, I knew that Bernard Dunn was well in front, so you give him that way, but knowing it's the last round, um, and obviously you're thinking of the safety side of it too, that that he was a very good, clever fighter, so after being hit, he, he did, um, able to move out of the way, hung on, he, he didn't go in for a battle or, or panic, so it didn't, it, it, um, there wasn't too many other punches that he took where I had to go step in and stop the fight. You know, so um, it made it a bit easier for me to let the fight go on and 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 uh, obviously uh, give him give him that chance because he was so far in front. Yeah. Did you do many title fights at the time? Were you like you're doing a few Irish title fights? And did you did you manage yeah. to? Uh, was the hand up to get European and world title fights? Or what does it take for a referee to go from Irish to European to world title fights? I suppose it was like it was. Uh, a bit like you no know, football, you no know, like people go out and spot you no know, a good footballer. Refereeing was is a bit like that too. You know, if the right organisations about, they they might spot a decent referee, and um, then they would ask you to join, come and join their team through the president, whoever whoever organisation they're working for, and that's generally the way it goes, and and and. Uh, Obviously, they keep you on the radar for a few fights and watch over you, and then they step in and ask for you to come and join the what the EBU, the European Boxing Union, and that's how that happened. Um, they liked my style of refereeing and my positioning and and the fairness, and uh, and I was always kept myself fit and fit and, and good and good knowledgeable uh, uh, sort of way in a way where. 
Um, I had all the boxes ticked. It was just a matter of time before somebody who'd see me and, and maybe, you know, maybe move up again, move up a grade. Yeah. And I suppose that's what ultimately happened with you with the uh, with the WBC. You just like a Same footballer, thing. like you say, you've got to go out yep. every Saturday and do your stuff. Yep, yep. And wait until uh, and wait until the spotting happens. Uh, that's what happened, Kevin. Yeah, and then again, the, the um, uh, Mauricio Suleiman and and a guy called Kevin Noonan, they spotted me again um, in in Dublin, and they says very good referee and they'd like him to come along to Las Vegas. I went to Las Vegas there with the WBC and done a course spent a week in Las Vegas doing a course and different uh, workshops and passed that and became a, a, one of the world referees then uh, how, how's that been going for you has it been uh, everything you would have hoped for and dreamed for because you do get to travel the world you do get to meet your idols I've seen pictures of you in the last couple of years with, uh, with Sugar Ray Leonard Larry Holmes uh, Roberto Duran you know to go back to the Panamanian right. influence yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is like it is hard to explain, but it is unbelievable for me personally. It's an unbelievable uh, job, um, stroke hobby. It's just like like it's not too many people come out of their workplace and want to talk about it <laughs> in, in a good way, you know. And my work is that type of like. Not only is it a good job and you're in the big fights and you're in the ringside seats on top of the, all the, the pandemonium and the pantomimes, that you come home from that and you as it's a conversation and out for dinner or out for a coffee and a lot of friends come along and we have good discussions about, you know, where I've been and what sort of ways the fights went and their predictions and and they come to the house and people watch a lot of fights in the house there, a lot of friends come with tea and buns we have and, and we always have a good discussion about it. So it's a it's a it's a great job plus it's a great hobby too, you know, mixed mixed in with um just a be um sometimes overwhelmed with all the PR with it. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Do referees get any um like medical information, like if you get extensive medical training or anything like that, because you, you often are the one who's called for to look into the fighter's eyes and 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 know what's going on, and you can see yeah. it and you can see it in different bouts. Referees have called off fights, being criticised for being for doing it too soon, but at the same time, they're the ones who looked into into the boxer's eyes. And like it, w- it was recently the uh, the anniversary of Nigel Benn versus Gerald McClellan, and you know maybe. A referee would look into McClellan's eyes, and he's the one who see the, the corners can be brave, but the referees are the ones who are objective and look into the man's eyes and can sometimes tell there's something going on here. Do you get enough? Are you equipped medically to know um, there's something amiss? Well, yes. Well, uh, well, not, uh, probably um, before before a big fight takes place, um, we would. Go- we would go through like a medical for ourselves. We'd have to go through a medical ourselves to pass a medical that we're fitting well and uh, no problems with um, with ourselves, first of all. And then, then regarding uh, the health and safety of the fighter, we'll have basic uh, first aid training um, and sort of uh, tips on what to look for you know, for a concussion and, and look for um, some some sort of uh, uh, ailments that they might have. We, we, 
give us a few tips. The top doctors give us a few tips on that. Yeah. So we're kind of like going into, into a big fight with um, well armed, well armed for like until the main paramedics or the doctors get get to the fighter. We've got the basics that um, gives the fighter every chance of, of God forbid anything did happen. Yeah, and like and things do happen, don't they? Because like another notable fight I've got picked out is Jim Rock versus John Joe Finnegan here. I think it was Jim's fourth Irish title at a fourth different weight and th- we had both men on the show uh, a year or two ago just to discuss that fight and and obviously John Joe was fine after that fight he was stopped by Jim Rock yeah but a couple of, a couple of fights later he suffered a catastrophic brain injury and he's been kind of putting his life back together ever since and thank god yeah. like the, the man has recovered and he's he's in good health at the minute but he's you know he's marked by boxing and yeah yeah, yeah it's um it's sad like and suppose like, like most sports, um, Jim Rock was a good puncher, but like in most sports, uh, there is like medical problems and and uh, vitalities, like you know, in sport. More so, yeah. Another uh, instance I have picked out is Darren Sutherland's debut you did, uh, 2008 at DCU, the Helix Arena, he fought a Georgian called Georgie Ilyev. There was a lot of optimism around Darren Sutherland's debut at the time. You got the nod, televised on Sky Sports. Yeah, how much potential did he have? He was he was an un- unbelievably designed for the professional game. Yeah, yep, yep. No doubt about it. And getting the nod was great. It was great fight to be involved in at the time. Yeah. I I don't think he'd done much after that. I think he 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 only had four pro bouts. I think he got an eye injury near the end and and That's possibly, right. and possibly knew, you know, maybe I could have a short career, much like yourself, because of injuries. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Myself, there was a couple of small hall classics as well. I think you refereed the second and third fights between Robbie Long and Anthony Fitzgerald, which are kind of legendary in themselves. They had a they had a <laughs> quick a quick fire trilogy, a Dublin rivalry, all sorts of madness going on in those three fights. That's right. Yeah, and they're always great. They're always great to be involved in. You know, you know the sort of Irish title fights, uh, you know, they have Celtic title fights now, but the time was Irish title fights and they were great because, you know, uh, it was always the way it was, even in amateur days, you know, going to down south, the box, it was, you were always up against it, you know. It was always very, like, exciting, suppose you say, you know, exciting for me too, the referee, you know, and and the passion that people have, you know, on them fights, you know, it's like like live or die kind of fights, you know, it's just like you know, it's just it was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he gave both fights to uh, Fitzgerald by two points, but yeah, Long gave it as all as well for sure. There's a couple more before we finish up, just on my list. Um, Stephen Reynolds versus Declan Trainer in Belfast. Okay. You stopped. You stopped it in the sixth. You had trainer up, but Reynolds won. One of the great, uh, one of the great Irish boxing matches. That's right. That was one hell of a fight. How know. did you get out of the way? Oh, I think I got caught once. I think I nearly got caught once. I think it was such a fight up and down. Both of them rounds that were down and up. Like both of them were unbelievable. Yeah, and then I stepped in. Yeah, but it was like, oh God, bless us. That was one hell of a fight. That was one of the biggest fights I've done. Well, toughest fights I've done. 
Yeah, it must stand out. Have you been caught many times standing in the middle? Because I remember even we talked about Bernard Dunn when he was nearly stopped in the fifth round against uh, Ricardo Cordoba. I remember he threw a kind of flailing hand as he was against the, the ring post just to keep Cordoba off him and he hit the referee and it happens. You're getting in there to tangle two boxers. Um, have you ever been popped yourself? Well, Bram McGee, I get hit by Bram McGee, so I did. And I think it was the Oster Hall referee Brad McGee and he hit me by obviously by mistake but hope it was <laughs> but yeah no but it wasn't anything serious anyway Brian McGee could whack in there. maybe maybe there was a bit of inter-club uh, rivalry maybe he was looking to uh, <laughs> take a bit of shine off you <laughs> no he's a good lad like no 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 he's like top man Brian McGee you know um, no I, I, I probably escaped a few close shaves as you do as a referee, moving in quickly to try and stop a fight. Um, I've done the fight in the the in the and Fobola, the festival. That was a uh, Collins' son, uh, and uh, Collins fought. He he fought McCrory uh, for the Irish title, and uh, I stopped it in the last round, um, and that was a close one because McCrory. Um, could buy Project McCrory, you call them, mm. or Steve Collins or some, and they fight for the Irish title. And uh, McCrory, big last last minute of the fight, you know, I stepped in, but McCrory was just throwing a red hand, just coming over, just missing me. But uh, like, even in the last round, I knew if he hit me, I would know all about it. <laughs> but yeah, I come close sometimes, but luckily, luckily, I've escaped being hit. Yeah, they don't call him the hammer for nothing. No, that's right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. You were also the third man in the ring for a, a fight that was uh, that you, you actually called the DQ on this one. It was only a four-rounder, and it was on after the main event at Macklin Highland uh, at the, the Three Arena in 2014. It was John O'Carroll versus Declan Garrity. That yeah, was yeah. A, a crazy, crazy fight. And the, yeah, the crowd, like, look back on the MDs, like, how many people like family and friends you know when they don't get the right decision they're going to kill you they're going to shoot me they're going to like, like I get threatened like a lot like not so much now but the MDS used to get threatened because of that rivalry you know and I disqualified Declan Declan Gary but I gave him a lot of warnings even before I disqualified him I told him using the head I think it was using the head at the time yeah I was using his head a lot and uh, I remember the crowd were throwing euros and had me in the ring. Like it was a quarter change from being nobbins thrown at you. They're, been, they're trying to hit you with euros. <laughs> but like yeah, re- I just walked by Daglan, yeah. Like referee in the old firm when, in, when Huey Dallas was hit by a pound coin, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, you, you've been threatened in the past on many occasions. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you kind of stay away from social media for that sort of reason, or is that's it- why? That's right. My my daughter, Leah, she she would uh, update me, like you know, she would go into social media, Facebooks and Twitter and them things, and and she would tell me thousand a thousand followers, two thousand followers, you know, and suppose things are going well at the minute. Uh, I think Facebook and all's like nothing to do with me. I don't know even know how I end up there, but. I'm, I'm there anyway in Facebook and then, but it's not my account 
So there must be, I don't know, whatever way, it must be sharing it around, you know. So seems to be a lot of followers at the moment. So in what in what way would the abuse um or would the threats come your way? So would it be people saying it to you after fights, people shouting at you, or people would would they send letters or what was it maybe in the days before social media? No, it would be just um personal on the night, you know, on the night they would threaten me, you know. Re- referees said. Uh, don't usually get a right reply. It's it's sometimes I don't know if it's mandated, uh, or sometimes it's personal choice. Would you think that's that's correct? Like referees, let the, let let your decision speak for themselves, or would you encourage other referees to sometimes speak your mind if they're catching a lot of flack? Because like let's face it, referees do get an awful lot of abuse in all sports. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's good. Um, you know, what we call the armchair viewer. You know, when we start speaking of how we analyze a fight and how to come to the decision, it makes it a whole different uh, like way of thinking when you look at a fight. So sometimes maybe regarding refereeing, it probably, it's not, a, like obviously if you're in the right, some referees do give bad decisions. There's no question about that. You know, there's no justification, you know, no matter what they write in the paper. Because sometimes people look and, and trainers and family and that and friends look at only the fighter that they know. They don't really look at the other fighter, the work that they're doing, you know. So maybe it would be a good thing to, you know, and suppose like the social media night too is not hard to, to feed into some sort of link that people would be able to feed into themselves to see why you give that decision, you know, break it down for them. Probably wouldn't do any harm. Do um. Do you think most referees uh, have the same way of scoring a fight or referees and judges have the same way of scoring a fight that's been handed down from their border control or their commission? And do you think most people follow the line or do different referees have different ways of doing it? Like what are, what are your fundamental ways of scoring a fight? What are your key key kernels? My key, my, my three, there's three things that I look for in a, in a fight is uh, obviously the skill um, and the effort. And and the professionalism, the three things that I look at in a fighter. If you get through them three things, you know you're definitely definitely uh, you're going to be on my scorecard. And is does effort come into it for for most boxing judges? Do you think? Well, I'm just back from Saudi Arabia, and uh, a guy called Mike, the American judge, he gave it. To uh, Jake Paul, but like, there's no way. And again, this this is an A star referee. You know, what I mean, there's no way Jake Paul like won the fight. You know, what I mean, no matter my times we'll look back back over the the fight recordings of it. But um, sometimes it's just a wee bit of politics too. You know, it still goes on. You know, still goes on, and that's a disappointing thing. I I get disappointed with that. You know, but there's nothing I can do about that. I can bring it up at the at the conventions, but people can't do a lot with that. You know, it happens. Speak speaking of politics, uh, ten year or eleven or eleven years ago now, you were placed in um, in charge of the Tyson Fury versus Martin Rogan fight yeah. uh, when it was going to be presented as a Boxing Union of Ireland heavyweight title fight after Fury. Um, you know, some documents went missing, and then I think Andy Lee's father signed an affidavit that he had Irish, genuine Irish heritage. Fury yeah. was cleared to fight for the Irish title, uh, and you were put forward as the referee by the Boxing Union of Ireland and Mel Crystal. 
Yes. But um, there was an objection, wasn't there, to your name from the British Boxing Border Control Secretary, Robert Smith? That's correct. And what happened was, it was a bit like, do you ever remember the film Shawshank Redemption? Oh, absolutely. Right, and the guy comes up in front of the parole board every year and he gets rejected. And they tell him maybe next year. Every year he gets rejected. Yeah, Red, well, was, red Foreman, or Red, yeah. Morgan yeah, Freeman's yes, character. Morgan Freeman, yep. He gets rejected every year. So the British Boxing, the Northern Ireland, British Boxing Board of Control, um, John Campbell, uh, he was the president. But I used to be in front of him um, and, and the people that worked for him around him. And he used to reject me every year for the move up from A grade to, you know, have a chance at doing title face, you know, A star. And put my application forward for that. But he would never do it every year. He says, maybe next year, maybe next year. So I resigned. I resigned from the British Boxing Board of Control um, and kept my allegiance with the, the BOI, the Boxing Union of Ireland, Mel Crystal. And then it just so happened that um, both ABU, European Boxing Union, seen me and the WBC, World Boxing Council, seen me in Dublin, both and both promoted me up and Mel Crystal, the president, with his support, put me forward um, to become a star referee. And uh, that's like 10 years. And I haven't, I haven't done anything wrong in 10 years. And I've actually teleported myself over this last couple of years um, to bigger fights and bigger, bigger arena. So... The British Boxing Board of Control, then Robert Smith, the president, told me that when I resigned, that I would never referee in a British ring again because I resigned. And he took it very strong because obviously there wasn't a great calibre of refereeing in Belfast at the time. But they would never really promote me. So at the time, I says, look, I'm not hanging around. You know, I, I trained up Sean Russell and I trained up other referees and we did him a way to do things, help the boxing. But they would never really support me. And so I resigned. And uh, then, like, just by pure luck, I got spotted by a European and then the World Boxing Council. So it took 10 years uh, for the British Boxing Board of Control then. They stopped having that sort of bar that didn't bar me no more. They lifted the bar on me. And I, I refereed it. I judged the fight in Wembley there. That was the first time in a British ring. Um, under their jurisdiction. Which fight in Wembley was it? I don't, um, uh, well, I know, I'm not saying that too. I can't even remember. Uh, it's okay, it's all right, Jim. Right, but I judged it there. It wasn't too long ago, it was just like a couple of months ago, and uh, judged it there. So that was the start from uh, getting in, back into the um, any big fights and, and European fights or world fights in uh, England that I'll be called up, called for to do be a part of judging the referee and so, oh, so that was just in January there Carol Atoma versus Ezekiel Moderna is that, that the one for the That's WBC the International Light Heavyweight title okay very good yep yep, yep. so that was that so, um, so you're, uh, only, you're only back now after all that after back, all those after years after 10 years 10 years yeah 10 years yeah. so <laughs> when you talk about Rogan and Tyson Fury they try to stop me going into the ring because it was in obviously in Northern Ireland um, um, but Mel Crystal showed big support for me and, and says no he wants me and nobody else to referee that fight so he got his way because it was for a nice title fight but 
and even at that time, they tried their best to block me from uh, refereeing that fight. But uh, they didn't. They didn't manage to, yeah, because Mel had your back. That's right. And and just before that, I've been told I was refereeing a European title fight in the waterfront. And on the day I was going down to do the refereeing, they says no, uh, they're taking you off. They've put somebody else in. So like, I had a wee bit of abuse, you no, know, like, oh, um, from internal internal abuse, you no, know, locally, over the years. You know, that they didn't let me go and do the main fights that I've been put forward to do. They've pulled me out of it, you know, because they've got great strength, obviously, the British Boxing Board of Control, you know. So um, the associations like the EBU and WBC, you know, don't want no problems. So they just go with the flow. But now everybody's grand. Everything's great now. I've, I've, I've served out my 10 years and I'm, I'm able to go anywhere and, and, and be a part of everything. Whatever comes my way. You've crawled through a river of shit and come out on the other side like uh, the Shawshank Redemption once more. Absolutely, Kevin. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I, I always think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, you're, uh, it was a peculiar fight, wasn't it? Rogan versus uh, Fury. There was a lot of... And, and, lot of yes. Martin Rogan, Martin Rogan didn't want it. Martin Rogan apparently was on a big dad. So I was, I was told he didn't really do a lot of training. He was a great puncher, Martin, as as he won the prize fighter, and he's done a lot of shocks in England. He's knocking these boys out, you know. Um, but he's a great puncher, but he didn't do as really. And and be honest, he like, was up against it, as he knows now. Tyson Fury was like unique arms and legs, you know, and hard that you would never really see. You look at him; he looks a bit blobby, and he doesn't look like in great shape. But he he's got everything, you know. Tyson Fury and, and Rogan I didn't feel so bad being beat by him. Um, I know that people tell me sometimes he waits on Twitter because the referee sort of <laughs> why he didn't get fighting but his corner and everybody came into the ring at that time and he didn't want to fight on I mean, I, I said to him come on Martin one more round but like, there wasn't a lot of um, enthusiasm out of him. <laughs> so yeah, you, you get those nights when you're just overmatched all right. Um, yes, another fight good. on my list actually here it's just because we're coming to the end of it now is uh, Moylet versus Urez Quetta out in Castle Bar that was, a, that was a crazy fight oh yeah that was that was a great fight so it was yeah like if yeah. a fighter goes down twice in the second round the temptation is to pull him out he's fighting in front of his home crowd we actually had yeah. Mickey Van on a couple of weeks ago talking about nearly the same situation with uh, Jamie Conlon against Junior Granados in Dublin and the temptation is to step in but you gotta just watch after a guy's been down two times, you got to be you got to watch so carefully. And is he is he able to fight back? And yeah. you made a similar decision. Obviously, let Moylis get to the end of the round. Now, for him, unfortunately, he didn't win. He didn't manage nope. to take it on points at the end. But yes. uh, Conlon Con was able to do so. But uh, yeah, it's it's it must be tempting, all right, to step in and and stop the um, yes. not a massacre, but stop the one sided nature of a round when the when the home yes. crowd is shocked and the the air has gone out of the balloon. That's right. And especially when they're going to lose the fight anyway. You know, but it's, um, it's good to get them over the line without um, putting them in danger. And that's that's the confidence that they're building, being a referee, stroke judge, you know, you're watching. Um, you're watching very closely of, of the kind of way hard fights go and how the fighters react to things. And, you know, and you build that confidence up where, um, yes, you can uh, have the confidence to let them you know, move 
um, take up a bit more and get them over the line. Um, it's looking at your record as a referee there. Uh, one of your last matches as a referee prior to Diria, you, you refereed uh, Delphine Pursun against uh, Kerwat out in uh, Dubai. It was called yes. off as a no contest in the first round. What what happened in that bout? The, the um, what happened was she got put down, okay, and then she hit her again while she was down. So the committee, the commission, looked at it replay, and we looked at it, that again, um, and. Uh, Rather than disqualifying, but I should have done. Um, they came up with a decision for a, a new contest because she she did go down, but she got hit again on the way down. Yeah, which was a foul in my book. But sometimes the powers to be can um, do the, these these things happen. Do you regret not uh, disqualifying her on the night? There was a like it wasn't straightforward, and that's why it wasn't a straightforward sort of disqualification. You know, it's um, on the night. They look at it very closely. You know, it wasn't like uh, there wasn't even really a hit. You know, it wasn't really a punch as such. You know, it was more like a. a a glance and the way sometimes fighters have a combination of three or four punches and even though the fighter goes down the punches are still going out there you're yeah. so well trained to do that it was that type of method where it was more like a like a sort of like a combination of punches coming out but it just gazed or just grazed her head or, or over her head there, you know so it was a difficult one and uh, I think to be honest with you, I think the no decision was a better decision. Yeah. Because um, obviously they'll have a rematch and then hopefully um, maybe we get a fair, a fair fight and we'll see the right result. So, D- David, David Irving, uh, we, we've chatted for a good while now and it's, it's been brilliant to hear about uh, your career, your ups and downs and in the amateurs, you know, you fought against and alongside world champions in the professionals you sparred, sparred alongside and fought with world champions and unfortunately injury put paid to your own world title aspirations in the ring as a fighter but um, you now as a referee you've obviously but you've uh, refereed kind of BUI Celtic fights Irish title fights uh, an EBU European title fight and then like the gamut of WBC International WC silver fights and stuff like that is there a world title fight in your uh, near future? Yeah well I'm at the minute I'm doing a thing, a new system in the WBC is called remote scoring. And remote scoring is uh even during like there's boxing on there every weekend in California or some parts of America or Mexico or any other parts of the world, there's world title fights. So what they do is they set you up um these fights on your phone and you mark round by round and you send it off it goes off to Mexico where there are Appeals panel, they mark the fights and um, give you back results on what they think how the fight went, you know, and they have a system where it's like when you give a fight, say, 10-9, you, you put with that 10-9, was it a close 10-9 or was it 
a, a more decisive ten nine. It was extreme decisive. So you have we cap we sort of warden by the ten nine. So what it does is makes you look closer and more closer at a fight and harder market fight, especially the world title fights that are more competitively uh, matched and very hard to referee or score. So I do a lot of that now over this last year. It's called remote scoring. So when you're in that system, uh, it's just a matter of time before I'm called up to do a big one. And would you rather would you rather the work of being a judge or a referee? Which which do you prefer? I, I like giving the, I like giving the decision, and that's the truth. I think referee gets more um, publicity and more, uh, you know. Um, voice like you know sort of a for everybody like you know it was like tv and that sort of stuff you know and the be there more in the in the frame where a judge would be just more that way if the decision didn't go the right way so in a funny kind of way i would rather be probably a judge but the more glamour and the more prestige is the referee so if you want to, ask, I would rather give it be a judge and give the right result than than referee a fight and and make it just a clean fight and and no problems. I'd probably rather be a judge, probably. Yeah. Well, did, did the WBC have the same kind of retirement age as the British Boxing Board of Control? Because we saw with Mickey Van, he had to he had to go at sixty five, but he was allowed to carry on in Ireland. What about what about with your role with the WBC? Um, you're allowed to go um, in the WBC. You're allowed to, uh, I think, a 67 referee, and then you can judge for the last three years. Okay. In the WBC, up to 70. Obviously, you, want, you go through medicals too. You know, um, I'm just turned 61 there, and some of the times I'm out on these apartments where I'm quite busy at, time, at the minutes. I see a lot other referees and judges now that a lot of people take drugs or not, not drugs as such, but medication tablets for blood pressures and cholesterol and different things that people take. Um, luckily so far, I'm grand. I don't have any medication at the minute. Um, I keep myself fit as best I can. Keep training every time. I train during the peak physique. It's a, a fitness place in Belfast. The, the Downley brother, Declan Downley and Tony Downley, they own I train in there sorry, nearly six days a week. It's like boxing training, local fighters training, like Tommy McCarthy and that, and uh, and so, uh, some of the other did fighters. Did you say? Are, did you just say that you tra- you train six days a week or others? Yeah, yeah, we train six days a week. Yeah. How how quick is your uh, your five k? Is pretty impressive, I think. Well, they've done. Yeah, well, I'm trying to do twenty minutes for five k. I'm about thirty seconds out. I know. I can't get that 30 seconds off, but... <laughs> That's ridiculous. I've done a medical. I've done a medical there in uh, Saudi Arabia. My heart rates and the thing, and the doctor there couldn't believe my resting heart rates. They couldn't believe when I, when I got my heart rate up and then my resting heart rate, they couldn't believe. For, they asked me so many times, what age was I? And he was telling people, here, what age is he? What age is he? Going around telling people because my heart rate was like, like so low. It was like, you know... Unbelievable at 61. But so that gives me heart that I'm doing the right thing, I suppose. But I, I always done that, Cam. There's always one for ticking all the boxes and make sure everything's done right. And and that's me ready to go to work then. So no no regrets. 
<laughs> no regrets. Well, look, there's another there's another 10 years in the end this role anyway, and then I'm sure there'll be something else for you for the next 20. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, look, David Irving, we'll leave it there. So thank you so much okay. today for joining us on The Rocky Road. It's been uh, informative and interesting. And great to hear about your boxing career as well, because yeah. we've seen you in Irish rings for years and, you know, watch you put up different fighters' hands and make decisions. But, you know, I didn't know as much about your boxing career. So, yeah, I feel far more informed now. And uh, it, was, it was an honor to hear it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.